Hello and welcome to Hey Arnold Hey, it's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And today we uh, are talking about Miss Perfect, uh, which is written by Steve Vixton and directed by Steve Saki. Um, this is, uh, if you didn't know, we talk about Hey Arnold on this podcast. Uh, it's in season two, uh, this particular episode. You can find it on Hulu Plus or um, on LimeWire or Napster. Um <laughs> That's for our older millennial fans out there. Um, this is this is a classic country mouse city mouse episode. Um, it's good though. Yeah, it's good. It's enjoyable. It, 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 you know what this this episode introduces Lila, um, which she becomes a major character for the rest of the series. Um, don't want to give anything away, uh, but she's eventually becomes a love interest for Arnold. Oh, uh, not this episode though. Um, yeah, we took. We talk about like the economy of the playground. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. Right, private versus personal life. Yeah. I mean, public life. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We we cover all of this stuff. <laughs> we cover everything. Yeah, we cover everything in twenty eight minutes. We got we got yeah. all, all the bases covered. Um. Yeah. Bef- yeah. Uh, before you start, though, just pause and like go rate and review us. Is that? Mm-hmm. Do I ever have I? We've never talked about that. Write us a check. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want. Um, and enjoy, enjoy Hey Arnold and enjoy this episode of Hey Arnold. Hey, yeah, please enjoy. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for. finds Arnold and his classmates hanging out in P- at PS 118. And there's a new student in town. Her name's Lila. She's come from the country to the city. And um, at first, Helga and uh, the other ladies of Mr. Simmons' class uh, decide to lend a helping hand and kind of show them the ropes in regards to how to, how to be um, a student at PS 118. But as they uh, as they continue to get to know Lila, they start to view her as a potential enemy. Um, she answers questions uh, ahead of Phoebe. She makes friends with uh, lunch ladies. She tells jokes to all the guys. She outdresses Rhonda. And uh, by the end of that moment, they decide, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do something about this. And so. Um, the next kind of section of the episode is, uh, Helga, Rhonda, Phoebe, uh, Sheena, Nadine kind of planning, uh, ways to humiliate her, kind of haze her. Um, so they try putting Jello in her locker, which, uh, ends up, uh, just falling on big Patty who beats up Helga. Uh, then they try to trade, um, all of her lunch food for fake food and gross food. Um, which same thing. <laughs> and, uh, Lila and Big Patty end up trading lunches, and so Helga gets beat up again. Um, which, to be honest, like it's her comeuppance. She kind of—I mean, she beats up Brandy what every episode. This is the first episode she doesn't, so she gets beat up. Nice. Um, but the third time, uh, they end up getting her, and that's uh, they get her head uh, covered with a hot pile of steamy uh, trash uh, right in front of everybody. Um, there's like a super complex. Uh, system set up to get a trap. Someone's yeah, boob. Yeah. 
that, is that what it's called? <laughs> um, so actually the next day, Lila doesn't come to school um, for quote personal reasons. So Helga volunteers to take, uh, take um, the classwork to Lila. Um, and so all the girls kind of uh, head over and, when Helga goes in, she sees Lila just a mess, crying. Uh, and to top that all off, they live in a super impoverished area of town. Um, her dad is out of a job, um, which the viewer knows, but the girls don't know yet. Uh, and so when Helga comes out to brag, oh my gosh, she's a mess, she's crying, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, they overhear a conversation between Lila and her dad where... Lila just says, I just wanted to have friends. And her dad says, you know, don't worry, I'll find a job. And then a phone call comes and says he doesn't get, get a job. So there, it's just sad sack all around. And uh, then um, the girls decide that, I mean, Helga like breaks down. She has a mental breakdown because uh, they realize how how heartless they were to um, this kind uh, kind student, kind girl. Um, and so they all go inside and they apologize and they, um, like very vulnerably too. And both Phoebe and Rhonda kind of go over like, not overboard, but they, they go out of their way to explain this is like gross, deep seated anxieties. Uh, and Lila forgives them and, um, it cuts back to, uh, well, Lila's dad gets the job by the way. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, but then it cuts back to school and Lila's telling another joke to the guys and um, there's kind of a uh, love-hate relationship that's being formed um, of Lila. Uh, they all kind of say, gosh, she's so like frustratingly perfect. And uh, the worst thing is we all really like her. And they kind of ooh and ah. And uh, then the, the last shot of the episode is wind blowing through Lila's perfect country braids. Um, yeah, it's a, a, like... I was telling Adam when we finished it, I said, it is really hard to finish this episode not just totally charmed by Lila because she um, is obnoxious in how sweet she is, but it comes from such a real place. Yeah. Um, I'll say that when I wrote this down, I'm not going to say the word um, because it's very offensive, but I wrote down country charm versus city. It's another word that starts with a C and it is not kind, but. It's, dwellers uh, is that the word sure city dwellers yeah yeah um this this episode is so uh one of the things it seems to be about is like country charm versus like the toughness of the city like you don't know what this place is like um yeah and you start to see i don't know Rhonda's interest in clothes that's a new thing <laughs> so if, are we gonna dive right into it well yeah i mean we gotta we gotta jump to where we think the thesis scene is. Um, so I think the thesis scene is the scene at the end where they're at her Lila's um, apartment. Yeah. With her dad watching in the distance as the girls <laughs> uh, make amends. And they're basically all saying like the reason we were mean and rude to you. And um, they go really specific. Yeah. was because like you make us realize the flaws in ourselves <laughs> and we don't like the way that that feels. Yeah. And it's like very on the nose, but I know like adults watching it probably laugh because it's like, yeah, that's what this is about. Well, cause um, like the self-awareness you need to have as yeah, at that age yeah. to be able to say something like that. Like even adults don't talk like that. 
I was so mean to you because you have all these qualities that I want but don't have. Ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> no one yeah. would have. Let's say that. Yeah, let's, let's play it and then I have some thoughts about it. So, what we came to say is... Sorry, Elila. We didn't mean to hurt you. Well, actually we did. But afterwards, we felt really bad about it. Yeah, yeah we're, we're sorry. sorry. Our actions were petty and most likely motivated by deep-seated insecurities within ourselves. So... If you can find it in your heart to forgive us, maybe we could start over and be friends. What do you say? That's all I ever wanted in the first place. I forgive you. Come on, girls. Group hug. I like the um, the kind of blanket statement of, we're sorry we hurt your feelings. We didn't mean to. And Phoebe instantly calls it out like, well, actually, we did mean to hurt you. The, you mentioned like the self-awareness. It's not just self-awareness. It's like the openness to be totally honest. Like there's, they, they've lost all need to um, fake a friendship with Lila. Um, they're, they're putting it all on the table for her to see, which graciously she does forgive them, which shows her strength. Another one of her strengths. Yeah. Yet another one. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, and I, I think the reason that they're able to do that is they've seen this girl cry. They've heard that her dad has no job. They've heard that he has Prader-Willi syndrome, which means he can't stop from eating, even when there's only one can of beans left that he decides his daughter doesn't need as a growing young girl. Um, and they've seen her cry. They've seen trash thrown on her head. Yeah. So there is no, you know what I mean? There's no. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Relatively speaking, for yeah. them to say, we were so mean to you because we have all these flaws. At that point, it's like small potatoes. Yeah. Compared to what they've seen with this girl. So I think this episode is more complex than that line that Rhonda gives. But I think that is sort of the like general blanket thing that we're talking about. So in some ways it's about country versus city. In some ways it's about kind of the economy of, of um, like school, uh, school kids. Um, it's kind of about public versus private life, but all of those things come back to what Rhonda said in her very blanket way, which is this is about our own like deep seated problems that we're having trouble dealing with. Um, and that, fits to all of those conversations. Um, is it nuanced? Not at all. Yeah. Uh, but that's where we come in. That's where we come in. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I let's get nuanced about the, the hot pile of mess that's on top of her head. Uh, it's like fish bones sticking out of green slime. It's, it's like the perfect hot trash that you'd see in a cartoon. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and it, the best part is before the hot trash hits her head, they rigged the table yeah. to fall, so her lunch also falls in her lap. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Which is a nice touch. Yes. They thought um, of all the details, those kids. Well, I also liked that they set up for that thing, like, okay, Phoebe, you stand here. You stand here. You stand here. <laughs> but really, all they did was, like, ne- they just needed Helga and Rhonda. Totally. There was no, like... <laughs> but everyone had to watch. Everyone had to watch. I, I like the trope of, like, her... She has to take a personal day. It reminds me of, like, when you hear a news report that it's, like this actor or actress like had a heart attack, but they're like, and died. And they're like, they're 30 years old, which is always code for like, they had a drug overdose. It's like, Oh yeah. From heart failure. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, from over drinking again with uh, narcotics. Like what's that? Like you're 30 years old. You're probably not having a heart attack. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's immediately came to my mind. Morbid, very morbid. Well, but that also jumps into the personal versus private. She's nicely, nicely saved. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, I think the close second for like a thesis scene is um, Phoebe when she sees their house for the first time 
she says something along the lines of like, uh, you would have thought someone so perfect would live somewhere better, which is unbelievably judgy for someone like Phoebe. And well, it's like a weird thing to say because you're assuming that like, if you are of a high class, like in terms of your economic status, uh therefore like you will act well. And Mm -hmm. if you're a low class person, you will act low class, which is like not always the case. And like at all, I think. I, like it's like the idea of like rich bratty terrible kids. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's poor people that act up too. But I feel like there's not it's, it's, necessarily a yeah, correlation people totally. just act differently. Well, and it, it, I I I think that's a general theme of the show and not of Phoebe specifically because if we're getting into her character like when you see her house it's always like there are a few episodes where you like see a little deeper in her house and it's pretty nice. Yeah. Um she's not this show has diverse um economic levels yeah um, it, it does uh but these kids clearly have no class consciousness which is no the issue. none at all yeah that's <laughs> that's right uh so that, that's why it's kind of interesting that she calls it out it's like but phoebe you are pretty well off and you also are normally like a perfect person but not now not now well because it got too personal for her right yeah 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 so so back i guess back to that like the public versus private is phoebe's having trouble measuring that sometimes you're public life doesn't match your private life. Totally. Um, and if, if the visual image of Lila's private life is this like gross torn down building with like, you know, a dirty interior and like no food, that's, that's how Lila's feeling emotionally in a, that, that, that's a metaphor for her emotional heart, which is lonely, um, broken, um, wounded. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's an it's a nice visual metaphor for what she's going through. I think. Well, I think for Phoebe, like if you think of at the very beginning, her her sort of introduction in this episode is her like rattling off all these things that she knows in class. Yeah, in answering su- very so- fast, sort of robotic way, like she had just been practicing reading flashcards all night. Yeah, and her th- logical thinking about how Lila should be is very much in that vein too, which is like, if this thing is this way, then this other thing must logically follows must also be this other way. And so I think for her, it's like this sort of, you know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ruins her logical form that she has. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Oh, that's true. It like, it It throws a wrench in it. It's not like the super linear thing that like, Mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And yet, so maybe the wrench, another wrench that falls into the, well, a wrench that that is thrown into the public versus private paradigm is that. Well, no, because okay, so she, Lila is you know can answer questions because she's smart and she is like turns out to be a good dresser and a good joke teller and just genuinely kind to the lunch lady. So all those things are just her, but you find out in the private that what she really wants is just con- like human connection. And if those things help her get human connection, then she's willing to do that, which. Every single moment she does get, she gets from the teacher. She gets it from the sixth grade girls, from the lunch lady, from the, from the guys who are laughing. She's seeking what, what, so again, public versus private, the girls are focusing on like the, the action and not from the like reason behind the action and, and the thing that's received from the action. Totally. And I think 
there's a more surface level way to look at it from, I think, the girl's perspective when you see this. It's like, if you're a very pretty woman or pretty person or good-looking uh-huh. person, like, you get these certain passes from most people that other people maybe don't get. And so, if you're mm. a very beautiful woman, oh, that's interesting. you'll probably find guys laugh at your jokes more often, even if they're duds. You know what I mean? It wasn't a good joke. No, well, we only heard the end of it, but I'm assuming it. I'm assuming it wasn't. A and good also, joke. I think the reason that they find it funny is like it's like this cultural difference. Like, oh, this funny country girl, huh. she has these funny things about like don't sell the pig or whatever mm. the, the goat or whatever the joke is. Like, it's this sort of. It seems they're not making her exotic, but they're like kind of laughing at the difference between the two of them, mm-hmm. between the urban environment and this the sort of rural environment. Which jumps us into a thing that you were mentioning off camera, camera, off mic. <laughs> uh, the, 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 like, this is very clearly like country mouse versus city mouse kind yeah. of ideals, um, which in a blanket way is just that she's like, oh, I'm just a sweet country girl and I, know, I mind my manners and I, but totally. it, it goes, it definitely, it feels like it goes deeper than that. Yeah. And I think that, so yeah, we were talking about this before. I don't know exactly where it's from. But I know that there, within sociology, there's this thinking that, like, it's urban environments, they breed, like, competition, and right. they breed rivalries, and you have very surface-level interaction with your fellow citizens, and those sorts of things. And I think you see that with, uh, with all of the female characters against Lila, where they all find their own specific way to be competitive with her, and they feel, like, uh, threatened by her in these specific right, ways. Right. So Phoebe in, with intelligence... Uh, what was the one with the dress? What's Rhonda? Rhonda yeah. with her dressing. Uh, Helga, Helga with, with like being, knowing, or just being like a likable person. Yeah, yeah, not getting being confrontational all the time. Yeah, and so that the, the the sort of the natural desire or ability to go straight to confrontation, and her desire to seek this sort of genuine interaction with people is like a thing that I think is often when people romanticize country life or a slower mm-hmm. pace of living, mm-hmm. it's that, you know, you really get time to talk to the, mm-hmm. the clerk at the grocery store and your neighbor and all those sorts of things. Um, so, and I think you talked about the economy of the playground. I think it's centered around that mode of thought is centered around that. There's very limited resources. Mm-hmm. When you're in an urban environment, there's more competition for those limited resources. Yeah, in general, not even, regardless of like uh, the metaphor of economy, but like like literal physical things. Yeah. Like there aren't as many... Jobs to be had, parking spots to be had, apartments to be had. There's competition in almost all elements of Mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. Especially Uh, in an urban environment. Totally. And you don't, I guess, literally have the same type of competition um, in rural environments. I mean, a rural environment still has the, the, like, evolutionary competition of, like, like, will the corn grow this year? And... You know, yeah. um, uh, can we keep? Can we are keep there the any farm? more factory jobs? Or there's a lot yeah, of like non-farming yeah. oriented things as well. Yeah, that that aren't directly in the city, right? Totally. Um, but it does. There, uh, there's a there's a scene. Well, well, it's, uh, it's it's sorry. It's it's like a. I think it's been proven as like a flawed sociological perspective. Oftentimes, right, right. that it's making one environment which is very usually ethnically diverse. It, what it's really doing there's like a racial component, where it's associating like mm. ethnic diversity with hyper competition, mm. and then it's like more rural environments are typically more homogenous, and there's less o- overall competition uh, for economic competition. So it's viewed as this more idyllic environment. Right. So right. there's like a weird racial component to it that's not good. Oh, but. interesting. Yeah. I mean they. That doesn't apply oh. necessarily to this episode. No, I think it. I think it does because they're seeing her when they say Miss Perfect. They're, 
she's bringing this like country charm, this southern charm, um, and they're like, you know, the, their first interaction with her is you got a lot to learn about the city. Like yeah. your ways are not don't belong totally. here. And so when they when they um, they, they see through the romanticism, which isn't necessarily an unhealthy thing. They're yeah. they're like, you have no idea what you're getting into, which yeah. is a tr- just a true, true like fact of the city. But they don't they don't allow her to enter in with this like different experience. And they're like, their assumption is that she thinks she's holier than thou. And she thinks she's better than them. And she's doing it just to be like popular and well-liked. And what they're not seeing is, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm talking out of my ass a little bit. Like, I don't know exactly. Yeah. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but it feels like, I mean, I do. I'm just saying, I don't know where I'm going with it. I don't know where these words I, are coming from. What are from. words? <laughs> I got the, the best words. <laughs> you went from this like mildly offensive sort of direction where I thought you were doing someone that has like a speech impediment. Oh, no, but no, But then no. you went straight into the president, which I really yeah. am all 100% behind. My president. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yours. Yeah. Well, and yours as well, unfortunately. <laughs> <Not> my president. <laughs> Whoa, that's being recorded, Adam. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I, I don't know specifically where I'm going, going in life, yeah. <laughs> which is why I'm on a podcast. Oh, millennial crisis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I just go into like a crisis mode, like on, <laughs> on air. Um, uh, no, uh, uh, there, there is this like separateness that they create very quickly. And they say, if you want to be part of our, yes, our totally. economy, yeah. this is how we live our economy. And she like, is like okay sure except she doesn't follow the economy at all the first moment you know someone walks up and says do you want to play kickball and she's like sure there's no like bartering that goes on there's no she just accepts that as it is um and i think what they have trouble understanding is that like their their unhealthy views of like this is when you do this and this is when you do that aren't like they don't make sense to her to, to Lila. Yeah. Lila is yeah, yeah. what you see is what you get. Like when she w- answers a question, it's probably because she genuinely wants to. There's um, no yes. M- hidden motive. Like the motive is just, Oh, like I'm, I'm just trying to like make connections, make friends. That's yeah. like the, that's like the, the, the most selfish part of this, of her like interactions with others. Um, uh, have you seen, did you see mean girls? Yeah. I feel like this is like a precursor to that idea, totally. um, which I would say so Harold invented that sort of exactly. Trope. Definitely. Um, no, I mean, didn't uh, d- like uh, clueless is Similar. a great, like yeah, yeah, click yeah. movie and what else? Um, I mean the Brady bunch. No, uh, I'm trying to think of other things with kids, but uh, anyway, uh, I think this is like a, a more palatable version of that. Cause obviously mean girls has way more like backstabbing and yeah. Um, like, it's also like an hour and a half long or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but, uh, I, I, I think of when Helga goes into all those steps of, all right, well, this is how you got to become, this is how you got to make friends. And she like lists all those things and like kind of, it's kind of overwhelming. Like I wouldn't even be able to, um, like re quote it right now. It's like so complex, but I think that's, that is bringing back to mean girls when, when, Lindsay Lohan's character, Kate, I think it's Katie or something sits down with him for the first time. And they like walk her through the economy of the lunchroom. It's like, they do that in clueless too. Oh, that's like right. With all the different clicks and how everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe clueless invented it. Uh, Tina Fey, come on. Craig Bartlett, come on. Uh, all three of these, uh, 
shows are, I think, explaining that illustrate illustrating is a better word illustrating that uh anywhere you go um there are going to be people who treat like relationships in a really complex gross way um and like we're always going to have to enter into that and i guess lila is kind of pushing against it which that's her rocking the boat she's like breaking the the unspoken rules basically so i think there's two examples that point to what you're talking about really well one of them is Helga introducing Lila to the lunch lady mm. and saying like, don't trust them. Like they'll stab you in the back or whatever, yeah. which is an insane thing to say. And why would the lunch lady ever do that? Yeah. So yeah. it's probably not true. And then the other one is her, um, Lila's whole relationship with what's her name? Big Rhonda. What's her name? Big Patty, big Patty, big Patty is it's kind of confusing. Cause at the beginning when the, the stuff falls out of the locker on the big Patty. Yeah. It's like Big Patty's locker was more in a location that would suit Lila and was okay with reassigning her locker yeah, totally. and switching. Yeah. And that's the bully and Lila that have some sort of connection. Yeah. You see them sitting together to eat a lunch and they're, they have like what seems like a regular relationship. Yeah. They're swapping lunch, they're chatting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's like all of these environments where you would initially think, they're going to be different in they're if, not going to uh, if you follow the rules as Helga would see them you don't talk to Big Patty right and if you right. do it's confrontational oh, and it's an argument but she is flipping that and like being a nice person and most people will just treat her nicely you know i haven't thought of it that way i like whenever i have watched this episode in the past i always think of patty as um like uh oh helga's getting beat up by the bully again which definitely is what's being painted but uh big patty is a and and i'm that's what she's called. It's not a great, like it's not she's a, tall. Yeah. It's not a great nickname, but no. that's like what she's called. And, um, as the, but it shows you how everybody thinks. Of exactly. Her. Exactly. And they don't say her name in this episode. I don't think, but she, um, she's like a secondary character that gets a few backstories. And you, my, my argument is that anybody with a unibrow in this show is, uh, is a misinterpreted bully. So Helga and Harold, we've already seen are very misinterpreted. Totally. And eventually you're going to see that, Big Patty is as well. She has yeah. that giant unibrow. Um, but even what you're pointing out is that there's this like, like a, like a two sides of her, right? Like she beats Helga up twice in the mop closet, which but is, she's like forging a regular relationship yeah, yeah. with Lila. And I, I, in my like uh, uh, limited scope, I've never even like th- uh, thought about that. We're breaking for- new ground here. Oh my gosh. It's like, I've never seen this show before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, actually, the, the one of the best TV shows I think that like caricatures the 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 economy of a of a playground is Recess, which most people our age have seen. But they they are so explicit and over the top about what these people's roles are. So they have like a king, King Bob, or mm-hmm. his name is King Bob. They have a kid called the Hustler Kid who like sells stuff left and right. They have like the girl who hangs upside down on the pole and they literally call her upside down girl like i don't know why i said hustler and pole in like the same sentence basically <laughs> my freudian slip i guess but uh all i'm saying is like that's a that's like a more explicit version of this same conversation which is everyone has their place and you can't cross that line you can't cross that boundary and lila kind of enters from yeah more of like a actually if you think of like the natural human what what's the term called like uh, uh, like in its ideal state, sort of. Yeah, like yeah. she, like the idea is that someone from 
from the country or from the wilderness doesn't have these these uh, barriers that are created by totally uh, yeah by by the Crazy. city. Um, and so when when Helga presents barriers to Lila, Lila's like, oh yeah, please teach me these barriers. Meanwhile, I'm not going to follow these barriers. Um, yeah, it's I mean it's a it's an adorable episode, and it's like also very difficult to watch because Lila's life is so sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy sad. Yeah, and they like they but really it's like, milk it. And they milk it, but they almost are like nodding to the, the humor in it, like the way that her totally. dad is the entire time. Oh, gee, gee, yeah. daughter. Yeah, yeah, like the whole thing is just like so over the top that yeah, it's almost yeah. comical, but it is still really sad. And I think it's because of yeah, his acting, which is. Um, uh, campy a little bit yeah is is paired with her acting which is completely sincere only sincere you know what they remind me of even the way they animate them in that scene is it reminds me of like if in an old disney movie there was like a scene with poppers like yeah, yeah it's like an orphan orphanage orphan yeah yeah it's like very much that way yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah i feel like she should sing a song about like wanting more or something yeah, totally. yeah. and and like like dad is like in the corner crying or yeah. whatever um, yeah, it's, it's a good episode. I'd be curious too to, to, uh, this may be an episode we could, we could come like swing back to in the future and try to bring a few women on because I, I'm curious to know what, like, we got binders full of women, binders full of women. Um, I'm just curious to know, uh, like if this is, if that's a, I, I assume it is cause it is with, well, like the hazing of women in, in school uh, unfortunately is different than the hazing of men. And I, and I would say that any hazing I got as a kid was like terrible and, mm-hmm. and it, 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 different kind of terrible than this guys are different kinds of bullies. Um, at least back, back then, I think now it probably is more, um, even, I, and I don't mean to like, like gender bullying. I just mean the way that America spits out nine year old boys is yeah, you're like pushed into this like hyper macho. Exactly. Everything. It's yeah, exactly. It's very different. So it's like, like thrust upon you. My experience was a little more explicitly bullying than this like kind of behind the scenes hazing, and I'm curious to know if that's like a common experience or not. Well, but does it make sense? The, the yeah, difference? but what they do, and I think it's also for like to to do it visually, is there's not actually a lot of psychological manipulation that goes on, which I think people often associate with females and women. As it like men are like physically abusive, women are psychologically abusive right. to one another. Um, but in this episode, I feel like they flip it, and it might just be for storytelling purposes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like to see, about, I don't know, to like break down someone's character, you know, slowly behind their back could have been the way that they go. But I feel like dumping trash on someone's head like serves like a visual purpose, uh, so that's a lot better. Huh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like it still ends with this like physical act of not violence, but like abuse, like a physical yeah. abuse. Um, so to me, this actually, this sort of hazing huh. and bullying huh. this feels more gender neutral. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the well, way that it, it, it starts the way you think it is, which is this, these like girls in a clique and it, it then like wraps up though with this physical, yeah. like, non-gendered yeah. thing. Or that's uh, even a thing that may be more assigned to male behavior. Right. Right. Which, which is a nice nod uh, to a few episodes earlier where all the kids are getting thrown into the trash, totally. but it's only the guys who are yeah. doing the, yeah. the throwing. So it's, it's a, I mean, trash, I guess, is like a city trope, you know, that it's yeah. just like, they don't have it in the country. No, no, they burn it all. They burn it all. Uh, I feel like uh, 
this episode uh, is going to have just a giant cry of the week. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so sad. Um, I well, I wanted to say one other thing, and I'm trying to remember. There, I mean, the, I think the only the thing I would end with is there's a quote. I heard it from Brene Brown, but I know she didn't do it. I actually couldn't figure out. I know it's it's sort of tossed to like a, like Plato and this other writer, and I I don't know who gave this quote, but it's a famous quote: uh, "Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle," or something along those lines. And I think that's a great way to end. <laughs> like they realize like this girl is dealing with way more than they expect. There's another one that goes, "Don't judge a book by it. its cover." Yeah, I yeah, that's uh don't judge a dirty uh townhome by its cover. What? The house that they see. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah yeah. That's a sad house. Uh Cry of the Week. Um I think probably so I think the cry of the week for me is that's when she gets all the crap dumped on her head and then she's kinda like looking around. That feeling of like everybody in the same in one area like looking at you and laughing at you is like a very traumatic feeling. It's horrible. Yeah, I think that, and I think that's, like, yeah, anxiety-inducing. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um. My, oh, what's the tear count for that? Oh, boy. Three tears. Three. Three tears. Three, three tears. tears. Three cute tears. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna just go with the obvious. It's them looking through the window and seeing oh. her cry and say, "I just wanted to make friends." Because, uh, for me personally, that is such a especially when I was in elementary school, that was such a desire that like, like kids who aren't accepted, what they see, everything points back to, I have no friends, everything. Yeah. Like even yeah, if it yeah. has nothing to do with that, like if someone says, Oh, nice shoes, dummy. That doesn't mean they don't, they're not your friend. They just, it just means they like making fun of your shoes. Yeah. But to the kid whose shoes they are, it's like, I guess I don't have friends. Yeah. So for me personally, that is like, that stirs up like, I thought you meant the thing you always wanted was to peer through someone's window and see them cry. Nice job taking this <laughs> s- sweet, vulnerable moment and turning it into your weird fantasy, Adam. Uh, so well, that'll lead us nicely, though, into our ending music for the night. Oh, that's true. This uh, upbeat, you gotta, for the sad for the sad episode, we got this nice upbeat jazz number. Uh, it's it's called Waterfall Dreams. It's by George Colligan. I don't know. And it's featuring a lot of people, and I'm not going to list them all. No. Um, It's on the album More Powerful. Um, Yeah, so enjoy the music. Thank you for joining us. Um, We'll be back next week. Uh, Rate and review. Stop what you're doing when this episode's over. Just watch us go rate and review us. Exactly. And uh, remember, there's a little football head in in all of us. (laughs) Bye.